sin. That's because there's only one chapter. Very good. Um, I see some guys in the back. Come on, guys. Uh, we're going to be in verses 11 through 13 tonight, and we're going to talk a lot about one singular topic tonight, and that is love. But I do not mean, let me preface this, I do not mean romantic love, okay? I do not mean girlfriend, boyfriend, you know, all that kind of stuff. I specifically mean the love that a family shares. That's the kind of love we're talking about. So we're not talking about, oh, no, who's this coming in here? I see you, Josh. <laughs> That's a good name. That's a strong name. I like that. Um, I'm talking about the love that parents and children have together. Okay, you guys know what I'm talking about? And that doesn't mean you have to be blood-related to have that love. Okay, somebody might be adopted, or you might be like my parents. I would always bring a friend to our house, and my mom would be like, okay, we'll feed him too, and somebody would just stay. You know, my friend Danny or Brody would just stay at the house for a week, you know, or longer in the summer. So we're talking about, yeah, we're talking about love in a family, and it's the closest we get to God's love. And I say that for a reason, because God loves us, but it's not the kind of, you know, wishy-washy, smoochy love that we typically think of, you know. I, I used to call it twilight love, you know, but that reference is getting really dated, and I'm old now, so I'm not hip. I'm not sure what the kids are listening to, okay. I'm not ever watching, so I don't know what famous couple you guys are into, you know. I don't know. I really, so, and I really don't know. So um, we, it's this kind of love that's just fake, it's like a kind of love you could buy at the mall or Walmart, right? Or order off Amazon, right? Add to cart, you know, give me some love. And that's what the world is selling. They are selling love in the form of physical things that you think are going to make you happy, but they're not. Okay, it's like that old joke about the, uh, the psychiatrist. It's like, and what do we do when we feel sad? Add to cart. No. <laughs> and, and, I'm, and I'm apt to do that too. I'm going to buy things, make me feel better. Well, you cannot buy the love of God. Look what verse 11 says. We're talking about the people who rebelled against God. The Bible says, Woe to them! They walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. Now, Balaam and Korah are in the Old Testament, and they rejected the leadership of Moses. Remember Moses? And they tried to take over. And Moses didn't destroy them. God destroyed them. So they're rebelling against God. Verse 12, these are hidden reefs or stains at your love feast. And they feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in the late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up foam upon their own shame. Wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. So this is the punishment that God is bringing upon those who reject him. They think they're stars. They think they shine brightly. They think they're something. But God said, I'm going to destroy them. I'm going to cast them into outer darkness. Now, what we're going to focus on is verse 12. There are hidden reefs or stains at your love feast. Now, what's a love feast? Well, the Christians had a particular term for love feast. Anybody been here on Sunday when we do the Lord's Supper? You guys have been here for that? That is what the Christians called the love feast of God. They would gather together. They would eat a meal. You guys listening over there, Miss Kristen? They would gather together, eat a meal, and they would share in the love of God that God had given them. When was the last time you sat down? And I know COVID has made this weird. But think back to like years ago when you'd have Thanksgiving, you know, or Christmas Day dinner. Anybody in here have a big tradition? You go somewhere where all your family gathers? 
Okay. Does anybody have a relative like a grandmother or your mom or an aunt that they make the food? Okay. You know, all right. So you know what I'm talking about. The person who, I don't know how to make green bean casserole. I've never made green bean casserole. If somebody held a gun to me and said, make green bean casserole, I'm going to kill you. I'd be like, <laughs> but I love green bean casserole. I love it. I love it. I like to take the turkey. Listen, listen, put the turkey, lay, lay a bed of mashed potatoes, okay? A foundation of mashed potatoes. Pour gravy on it. Put the turkey on top of that. Pour more gravy on it. Then put the green bean casserole. Then more gravy. Side of mash, mac, and, mac and cheese on the side. And, you know, top it off with a little extra gravy. <laughs> That's a heart stopper right there. I'm serious. You guys know what I'm talking about. When you go into the room where your family and your relatives have been cooking and it just smells warm, it's almost as if you've come out of the snow and the cold and the darkness, right? Like you're a lost kid and you find your way home and there it is, that warm place. The lights are on. If there's a fire, it's roaring and somebody has made delicious food and you get to eat it. You guys know what I'm talking about? I am not talking about gas station bean burritos, okay? I'm not talking about McDonald's McChickens. I know you guys love McChickens, but you're wrong. McChickens, McChickens should come with napkins. McDonald's and Taco Bell should sell their products with toilet paper, okay? Individual wraps for each person. I'm talking home-cooked meal. It doesn't have to be Southern. My wife's from Ohio. She has turned me on to cream of wheat. Do you guys know about cream of wheat? It is delicious. Cincinnati chili. Yes. It doesn't have to be just southern food where we live. Imagine this delicious meal. Now imagine, imagine your grandmother, okay? She's made this delicious food. She's got this spread across the table. And imagine somebody that has talked about you and your family behind your back. Somebody who has bullied you, been mean to you, said nasty things about you. Imagine them coming into that room and taking your grandma's spread and just flipping it. And all the food just flying everywhere. How would you feel about that person? <laughs> Grandma, you're going to have to leave the room. You would, right? You'd be so angry. Your fists would clench and your eyes would turn red, right? Get that Terminator vision. And you would just be like, I'm going to kill someone. The people who reject God... They were coming into the Christian love feast, and they were doing that. They were flipping tables. And I don't mean physically. They were spiritually coming in and causing division, causing disruption, causing error. And look what God promises for those who would do that, those who would come into the holy, sacred meal and, and cause division. It says the gloom of darkness has been reserved not just for a little while, not just for a punishment, not a timeout, not being grounded, forever. The end of verse 13, forever. That's what happens to those who reject God, those who rebel against God. Now, that doesn't mean the person who is genuinely going, I don't know where I am with God. That's okay. God says to that person, believe. Come to me and I will prove myself to you. Cast your cares upon me and I will not cast you out. No, I'm talking about the person who shakes their fist at God and says, not only do I not need you, God, I hate you. Now, some of you, that might be a foreign thought. Who could hate God? But there are many who do. 
their rebellious nature has run wild inside their own souls, and they hate the very one who could give them eternal life. They, yes, they need therapy, but I believe they need the gospel even more than therapy. These are hidden stains, it says. Stains. Now, I think the guys in here might be this way as well, but ladies, you certainly know. You ever get something on your shirt right before you're supposed to go somewhere important? Or, 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 you get ready, right? My wife has done this. You get ready to go somewhere, and then you leave the house, so all of your supplies and all of your clothing are gone. They're left behind. You are out, and someone goes, girl, what's that on your back? Isn't that just the worst feeling ever? What is it? What is it? Is it a spider? Get it off me. But it's a stain. I have a shirt that I love to wear. It looks great this way. Well, I, I think it looks great. <laughs> it looks great this way in the mirror, but I, there's a giant hole in the back. And I had to stop wearing it because every Wednesday night, some kid would be like, Mr. Dare's going to And they would try to put their finger in the hole. Like, stop, get away from me. You weirdos. <laughs> sometimes, I, I love kids in the Lord, but sometimes, weirdo. <laughs> This is what Jesus says about the feast. In John 7, 37, he said, he's at the last day of the great feast, the last supper. And it's the, the feast of, uh, of Passover the Jews would have every year. Jesus stands up and cries out, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Now, Jesus is sitting at the meal. He's sitting at this sacred meal of the Jews. And they're celebrating when the angel of death passed over the Israelites, and they went free out of the land of Egypt. And Jesus stands up at this meal celebrating Moses and says, if you want satisfaction to your soul, the thirst your soul has, come to me. Come to me and drink. This is an amazing thing for Jesus to declare, that he is the source of nourishment at the feast. That we think it's the food, we think it's the spread, and oh man, it's good. But truly, for our souls, Jesus is the only thing that satisfies, the only thing that nourishes, the only thing that can fill that void. You guys know what I'm talking about. I was talking with another pastor today, and he mentioned to me that they don't think they're going to name the next generation after Gen Z. Gen Z would technically be Lila's age, my daughter's age, maybe Grayson, maybe. Um, a lot of you are Gen Z as well. I'm a millennial. I grew up in kind of the millennial generation. It's a little weird some, somehow they classify it. If you're born after 2010, you're a Gen Z, and before you're a millennial, it's kind of it's a little weird that way. But they're talking about not naming the next generation. Do you know why? Te well, technology is moving so fast that your experiences are so close together that it's hard to tell the difference. See, I remember when my parents got internet. And it was not like Wi-Fi. It was like dial-up, you know, you plug the little thing in and do, 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 and it would turn on. It took forever. I once spent two hours downloading a 30-second movie trailer. I think the movie was uh, Men in Black. <laughs> I think, just to show you how, how long ago that was. 90s Will Smith is always worth it. <laughs> always worth it. Um, yeah. And... I remember when they got that, you guys have grown up with instant communication. Now, I don't blame cell phones for any evil in the world. I don't blame the internet. It's all a tool. I don't blame the hammer for squashing my thumb any more than nailing the nail down. Okay, it's just a tool. But you have this technology, and it has made everything at your fingertips. Information, good, but also 
the evils of this world are right there in your phone. You can look up right now how many people have died of various things for various reasons. You can look up the greatest evil that's happening right now, and you can watch it happen in real time. And that saddens me for you guys. I remember a time when you could get away from the world. But the world seems to be everywhere now. Jesus said the world is coming in like a hidden stain upon our love feast. And if we don't get that stain cleansed, if we don't get it washed off, it's going to disrupt the feast. And we don't want that, right? Can you imagine coming into your grandmother's house for Thanksgiving dinner and the beautiful spread of food, and all of a sudden you look over and there's the person who talked bad about you at school last week? They're sitting at the head of your grandma's table, and your grandma says, oh, hey, I invited so-and-so. Sit down and make nice. And you have to sit there and just, you wouldn't do it, right? You'd have to like, i got to get out of here. This isn't right. That's what sin is at the Christian love feast. It's disruptive. It's divisive. And it tears people apart. It'll tear you apart. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 22 says this, Though you will wash yourself with lie and use much of it, the stain of your guilt is still before me, declares the Lord God. Guys, lie is not just a soap. Lie is a burning chemical that burns away impurities. It doesn't just wash them off. I remember I used to clean HUD units, and we had this stuff called muriatic acid that we would use to clean the bathtubs. And I judge nobody for how they live their life, but I wasn't touching that bathtub with my bare hand, like ever. And so I would take that muriatic acid, I would shake it up, and then I would take the cap off, and it would begin to fizz and foam immediately. And I would hold a, a rag over my face, and I would pour that muriatic acid into that tub, and the cloud and the steam would rise up. And then I would run out of the room. Because if you breathe that stuff in too much, it'll burn your nose hairs right out of your nose. Talk about not having any sense of taste or smell. Muriatic acid will take your taste buds right off. And that stuff burns. Yes, it can. Certain, yeah, it'll burn right through plastic. and It burns. God is saying that even if you try to burn your sin off, he will still see it. He will still know it's there. You can't hide it. You can't cover it up. You can't try to escape what you have done before God. He knows. But instead, instead of taking you and taking you out of the house where the feast is, taking you away from the family, away from the delicious food, away from all your friends, he did the opposite. Hebrews chapter 13, the entire chapter talks about Jesus being our new high priest and how he offered himself on the cross as a sacrifice. But verse 12 says, And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Have you ever been left out of something? Have you ever seen all your friends on Instagram, like your entire friend group, except you? How'd that make you feel? How'd that make you feel, right? Did that just make you feel the lowest you've ever felt? I hope this hasn't happened to you, but if your parents took your other siblings and just left you at home, like, goodbye, guys, we're going to Dave and Buster's, but not you. I know. How <laughs> some 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 teenagers are like, yes, take them away and leave me here. Leave me here with the Cheetos and the TV. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm wrapping up, guys. Listen to this. Jesus 
went outside of the gate of Jerusalem and died on that cross away from his family, away from his friends. They all stood and saw him on that that mountain of the skull and watched him die. And he suffered so that you and I could be made holy. And not just holy, but holy through his blood. He died so you and I could be brought into the family of God. If you can't imagine this, it's, it's hard for teenagers to imagine, and I know you guys hear this all the time from your parents, that one day you'll understand, right? One day you'll understand, you know, one, in the future you'll get it and all this kind of stuff. Well, there's two things with that. There's truth and there's wisdom. Truth you can understand right now. You don't have to be, you know, super smart. You don't have to be 40 years old. You don't have to have Bible degrees, nothing. Truth is truth. It's there in the Bible for you right now. Wisdom, on the other hand, wisdom takes time. And that's okay. It's not a bad thing. That's how God designed this life, for us to grow, for us to make mistakes even. But what should be happening is this. There are two things that should be going on. One is you have to be saved. You have to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to be repenting of sin and trusting in God for salvation. If that's not happening, well, then that's the issue. You're not in the feast. You're not in the family. You are outside looking in through the window, wanting to get in, but you need to come through the door. Jesus said in John, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. The second thing is this, and this is something every Christian does. This is something I'm doing, and I'm not doing it perfectly. But it's called sanctification. So salvation, sanctification. Salvation, I need to believe in God. I need to be saved. Sanctification is the slow, everyday growth of becoming more and more like Jesus. So sanctification is, I'll give you guys an example from me. This is my life. Hey, Kyle, I'm, I'm going to scrap the last video. Um, I'm going to go ahead and make a couple more points, and then I think that'll suffice for us. So I'm going to take the last video off. You guys don't mind, do you? Right? You'd rather eat? Okay. So here's an example from my life. There have been times in student ministry where a kid, I'll say something to a kid, and they won't respond to me. Now, I hope you guys know I'm not like a super jerk. Like, I'm not going to be like, you know. But just if I go, hey, hey, bud, over there, like, if there's a kid just walking toward the road, you know, and I don't know what that means. Is he going to get the ball that I can't see that bounced over there? Is he mad at somebody and he's taking a moment to cool off? Is he leaving when I'm supposed to be his ride home? And if he walks off, his mom's going to show up here looking for him and I'll be in trouble? I don't know what that means. So there had been a time when I would go, hey, hey, man, what, what's going on? And the person just ignores me. They just keep walking away. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? What, what's wrong? And they just keep walking. There was a time that would happen and I would just go, oh. Okay, yes. I've never pulled a kid apart with my bare hands, but let's see if today's the day. <laughs> and I've asked the Lord to, to give me patience and give me growth on those things, and he has. And so now, when I see a kid doing that, I chase after him. No, I really do. And, and, and not in a bad way. I get close to them and I say, hey, what's going on? Make eye contact with me. What's wrong? And nine times out of ten, that kid has got something going on. He couldn't even hear anything being said to him. He wasn't ignoring me. He had something going on right here, right in his mind. See, God has given me growth. And that's just one small area. It's just the one I thought of tonight. Are you 
growing? That's the question. And it can be small. Oh, it can be so small. It can be the, just the, the minimum amount of growth, guys. And it takes time. Sometimes you may not grow for months, weeks, years. But you will. And you will, more importantly, desire to grow. This church, and I don't just mean Joppa, I mean God's church, is a love feast. This is a meal for you to come and be a part of. But guys, sometimes there are people here, they're, they're hidden reefs, they're stains, and they need to be washed clean. So think about this tonight. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for our food. We'll be dismissed. But think about this. You are either a Christian in the love feast. You're not perfect. You're being sanctified. And continue to ask God to help you grow. Remember, the church is not a museum of perfect people. It's a real place with real human beings doing their best to serve the Lord. But see, the problem is you may not be in the church. You might be in the building, but you may not be in God's family yet. And that's salvation. And I want you to consider that. We're going to have a lot of fun next week. Next Wednesday, we're going to make flower bombs. Friday night, we're going to chuck them at each other. Saturday, Bush Gardens. It's going to be amazing. But students, none of that's going to matter if your relationship with Jesus Christ is not authentic. You can have a great relationship with me. You can have a great relationship with each other. You can have good relationships with parents and teachers and peers, but none of that will matter because one day you will stand before holy God. And he's not going to say, well, I guess you didn't know. I guess you weren't paying attention. I guess you just flew by your head. You were busy. You were distracted. You were on your phone. I get it. He's not going to say that. God's going to say, you heard the gospel of my son. Why did you not believe? So I challenge you, students, if you don't think you're growing, it may be because you're not saved. That's okay. Be real. Be authentic. That's all right. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to pray for this food. Ask God, Lord, am I saved? And am I being sanctified? Am I growing in this Christian life? Okay? Ask yourself those questions and let God give the answers. Let's pray.